Good morning and welcome to the Automation Morning Show for Friday, November 3rd, 2023. Happy Friday, everyone. My name is Sean Tierney from Insights in Automation. And this is a show where I talk about what's new and happening in industrial automation. And with that said, we'll go over to the uh, studio board here and check out. Looks like the volume's good. The video looks good. You can see I got a ton of stuff I got to test here. And um, I also have the chat up if you want to say hi this morning. Feel free to do so in the chat. We are live streaming on four different platforms. Of course, I know many of you watch After the Fact on all the other platforms we publish to after the show is done. So I want to thank all of you, whether you're live or whether you're watching After the Fact. I want to thank you all for watching the show. And with that, let's go to theautomationblog.com. And just draw a reminder there, if you do enjoy this morning news show, excuse me, um, please consider giving us a like, a sub, and a share. That is the fuel that keeps our show going. So I want to thank everybody who has done so already, too. Thank you, guys. Uh, with that, I want to thank our today's sponsor who's making this show ad-free. And that is Siemens. And they're promoting their Integrated Control Panel Symposium. It's a free educational uh, event that's happening on Tuesday, November 7th. Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. And uh, you can see the agenda down here. Of course, you can see me. I'm taking part of, it, part of it as well. My session is Trends in Industrial Automation. But most of the show is talking about control panels like uh, 508A, like, uh, you know, designing control panels, like uh, new solutions for inside your control panel. There's all kinds of great products they have and solutions they have. So if you want to learn what, uh, what's the latest and greatest in control panels, I definitely recommend checking out this site now. I would ask that if you do, that you please sign up using the uh, one of the ads here on our website because that'll show Siemens how valuable it is to sponsor our morning show and make it ad-free. So, um, and you know, get access to the audience, which is you. So in any case, uh, hoping to see you guys there. I will be there for my, I think my nine o'clock and one o'clock session. So I'll be in the chat. So you can uh, chat with me while uh, you're uh, watching me on TV, on the screen. With that, uh, I want to go over to our first product announcement today, and this is from Wittenstein, and they are expanding their Illinois plants, so that's some great news. Um, by next year, they will have an additional 3,000 square meters of production and office space um, up in Illinois. So this is uh, excellent, great to see companies expanding, especially locally. We want everybody to be manufacturing their products locally and not shipping them halfway around the world on a boat. With that said, we have an announcement from CodeSys that they're, uh, they now offer their virtual safe controller. So this is hardware independent SIL3 safe controller. And um, I thought this article was very interesting. So typically if you have a, a safety PLC or a fail safe PLC, you have two, two CPUs in it, right? Two processors, right? So you get that one out of two or 1002 system. So, you, you know, the, the code runs through both chips. The chips are typically made from different manufacturers and uh, they have to agree for the operation to continue. And so in any case, this article explains how they do this through software and still get that SIL3 rating. So very interesting. And uh, they'll be showing this at uh, SPS if you're gonna be going in a couple of weeks. From there, we go over to what I thought was a very interesting article from Siemens. It's entitled Half a Century of Precise Weighing. So I didn't realize that the CyWareX product line is 50 years old this year. And I thought the article was very interesting. It goes through the history of the product line and whatnot. And they, I also pulled up, there's a graphic down in the article, which I pulled up full screen, that kind of lays out the history of 
the uh, product line and weighing at Siemens. So um, I just thought it was very interesting and wanted to share that with you this morning. From there, another interesting article I found was over at the Rock Automation. You know, sometimes like you check these sites every day and then you'll go there and there'll be like three new articles, right? But they're not all dated today. I always found that very interesting. But in any case, this is, this is an instance where this article was a couple days old, but it just showed up this morning. And um, this is articles entitled OT Incident Response for Cybersecurity Lifecycle. And what I thought was interesting about this, the first thing that you really take out of this is the importance, just a reminder of the importance of backing up all the programs you have currently running in your systems, right? So I like to tell the story of a, of a customer who uh, one of the people inadvertently reset their VFD and the VFD was in a rock crushing application. And they spent the day, the entire day, getting it working again. Because, you know, rock crushing is not the same as running a conveyor. And so there's a lot of settings you have to do in the VFD typically to make sure it doesn't stall and fault out when it's crushing these rocks, right? And so in any case, um, think about what a day of production costs, right? That they couldn't produce all day, that area of the plant anyways. And uh, what, is, what does it cost, right? You just look around at all the people they're paying to, to manage that production. You get a pretty good idea. It's very expensive. I mean, it could take them a month or more just to break even again after that downtime. So it's so, so important, not just for cybersecurity, but for any reason that you have backups of everything in your plant, current backups. Anytime somebody touches a machine, you've got to back that program up. And so, um, you know, if you don't have something like um, Copia or you don't have obviously MDT or you don't have Asset Center, you got to do that manually, right? Or your company could go out of business. I mean, we talk about cyber attacks. They typically cost a company about four and a half million dollars. I mean, that can make a plant go from being profitable to being uh, unprofitable in a 12-month period, right? Four and a half million dollars. A lot of plants are not making that much gross profit, right? With that, they could just see disappear and evaporate and still be uh, profitable for a year. So that can actually result in some pretty uh, tough times for a plant. So it's so important not only to have everything backed up, right? And, you know, I'm hopping on backing things up, but when I was going through server um, training back in the late 90s, early 2000s, one metric Microsoft would always tell us was companies that do not back up their data, if they lose their data, they typically go out of business. So that's on the PC side, right? So uh, very important to uh, have all your files backed up because sometimes you may not get lucky. You may not be able to reprogram that device in a day and get it running. I mean, how many times have we had somebody um, lose a program on an old PLC and they don't have a backup? They don't even have a printout. Like, how much would it cost somebody to come in there, and again, assuming it's not a simple machine, right, and reprogram it from scratch? I and mean, that would be a, probably a multi-day event and very, very expensive, right? So in any case, aside from that, um, they also talk about just some of the common sense things you got to do with your OT system. And you know what? If you don't, if you don't have the funds right now to, to buy a firewall or do a study, unplug the plant floor from the Internet, right? Nobody can get into your plant floor if it's not connected to the outside world, right? I'm assuming you have physical security, so nobody can just walk into your plant floor. But, um, you know, if you can't afford to, you know, if somebody's saying, look, you know, we're a multi-billion dollar company, but we can't afford, a, uh, you know, four or five grand worth of security, then just unplug from the Internet, right? I mean, anyways, I won't go down that road, but, uh, you know, you see a lot of people report, reporting the profits this time of year, and, they, they, and then the, the stories they sell, we can't afford this, we can't afford that. It's like, yeah. So anyways, moving on. 
we go over to our feature product of today. We're featuring our Micro 800 Level 1 and 2 course at theautomationschool.com. I know, I stayed away from the Micro 800 for the longest time. But when I had to film this course, right, when I had customers just saying, hey, Sean, we need a course on the Micro 800, I'll tell you what, I kind of really fell a little bit in love with this product. This is a great little product. It's really based around IEC 61131-3. So you're doing a lot of standard stuff, like with POUs and whatnot. And so, yeah, it may be uncomfortable if you've always used RS Logics or Studio 5000, but if you're looking for a little inexpensive Allen Bradley PLC, this is a good PLC. And I'm looking forward to uh, refilming this uh, later this year and into next year. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But um, in any case, I uh, just wanted to talk to you about that course there. And from there, we'll go over to Turk. Now, Turk, I thought this was very interesting. On their news page, they were featuring their M12 Plus cables. And these cables have built-in electronics to tell you if the cable, you know, basically to report the cable's health. And you can even get them with Bluetooth, so you could read the cable health via Bluetooth. So I thought that was a very interesting product. I did not get to um, watch the videos here, but they're usually pretty good and, and short and right to the point. So um, they can, you can see those linked right there as well. They had that product there. They had another product, which uh, we've covered in the past quite a while ago. But this is their, um, their shockproof inductive couplers. Now, if you're not familiar with an inductive coupler, we actually had a... Uh, a, a, a listener sent this in back in early in the year. Um, these allow you to transfer not only communications but also power, right? So these look like if you're not if you're not watching but you're listening, these look like inductive proxies, right? But you get the two heads next to each other and they can pass communications and power up to 18 watts with this series. So I was thinking, you know, they have you know uh, you know industries that you could use this in. They list uh, automotive, AGVs, rotating tools. Yeah, that's all true. But I was thinking, how about a drone, right? That you, you're sending this drone out to pick up stuff from the warehouse and it flies back. Well, it could hover above this, right? Maybe you have some, uh, some pads where it can actually sit on the pads and it could recharge, right? And also get data saying, hey, all right, your next pickup is going to be over there. And so I just thought that, that was cool. So neat product. Now, from there, we go over to an article from Omron. I thought we had covered this. I went, I looked and looked and looked. I could not find that we had covered this before, but it sounded so familiar. In any case, the title of the article is Safely Navigating the Deployment of Autonomous Mobile Robots in Your Facility, so AMRs. And I'll just hit the bullets here. There's five bullets. So number one, assess your facility's unique environment. Number two, identify and address potential hazards. Number three, assess environmental factors. Number four, prioritize human-robot interaction. And number five, uh, make sure you have, you're ready for emergencies, emergency preparedness. So uh, interesting article on AMRs if you are following that space. From there, we go over to Software Toolbox, and I thought this was an excellent article. They typically have one or two articles every week about their products, and this one's talking about their OPC router. And it talks about, you know, hey, look, for decades, we've been using CSVs to collect data and bring it into Excel, and that's great, but... Today with IoT, a lot of devices, a lot of software wants the data in JSON format, right? And so they go through this and talk about how their OPC router can get the data and then package it in JSON, which kind of looks a little bit to, you know, to somebody who doesn't know much about JSON. It looks a little bit like HTML or XML. Um, and uh, in any case, uh, this article goes through exactly the steps you need to get the data and then create that JSON file using their software. And it's a pretty beefy, beefy uh Article here, I don't have a copy of the software, so I can try it. But in any case, I did want to share that with you if you're 
struggling to provide data in JSON format. From there, we go over to our featured guide today. Today, we're featuring our S7-1200 guide. And uh, we have over, I think we have a total of 48 today. We have a total of 48 articles and videos in this free guide at theautomationblog.com. Um, and you can tell the difference between an article and a video because the video will have an episode number. So here you can see my interview with Siemens about the S7-1200 line. That was podcast 50 versus this uh, S7-1200 introduction, which I wrote. And I also had some of my favorite answers write about these. We got them some samples and they wrote some articles for us as well. And some of these articles will show up in the S7-1500 um, index or guide because, you know, like how to get the free trial, that's the same for both, right? It's the same, the same trial works for the 1500 and 1200. From there, we go over to an article from the ISA. This is uh, entitled The Evolving Language of Automation Engineering. And this is a discussion of, you know, what's happening in industry for programming. You know, we all know, we've covered this from the IEEE before, that, you know, uh, Python is like really taking over um, versus C++ or JavaScript. And um, they talk about that in relation to, you know, what's happening in the automation industry where everything is standardized on 611.31-3, pretty much, right, for your programmable controllers. And so I thought it was an interesting article. I don't think, uh, I don't see Python being used uh, as the primary programming language in PLCs uh, for quite some time or ever, because um, really, if you think about it, 611.31-3 does a great job, right? It's, it's uh, and really, if you, th if you also think about Python, it's really a, a derivative of C++, right? So in any case, but still a very interesting article. There was another article up there that talked about zero trust Leverage automation to empower zero trust. And this is not like PLCs and VFDs, but um, I thought I'm including it because it really talks a lot about what zero trust is and the benefits of zero trust. So we follow this a lot on the show, but if you're new to the show, this is where you don't let a single packet down your, your control network unless it's authorized. So you may have um, you know, an OPC uh, server that needs to get OPC uh, pull data or pull data from your PLCs. So you would explicitly allow that traffic while disallowing like HTML and FTP and SSH and other things, right? So I thought it was a very interesting article and I wanted to include that today. From there, we go over to one more interesting article I found. This is uh, from the Society of Manufacturing Engineers, SME. And this is talking about, is US manufacturing ready for Industry 5.0? And uh, I thought it was a very interesting discussion. I don't agree with all the takeaways. One of the takeaways was, well, the companies who, the countries who tax their uh, their people the most so they can give freebies to industry, you know, should be ranked in order of best to worst. And I totally disagree with that. I don't even know why you would bring, uh, you know, raking over the taxpayers to give money to industry. I don't know why you would even add that in an article like this. Um, the taxpayers are not the ones who should be funding this stuff. But in any case, um, the rest of the article I thought was really good and it brought up some good points. And I always like to see what people think Industry 5.0 is going to be. And I really think they, um, they have an interesting take on that aside from the, you know, gouging the taxpayers side of it. But in any case, from there, um, we have a case study from Rockwell Automation. Again, this is one of those ones which was dated a couple days ago, but it just showed up today. And um, I don't know if that's something wrong with my computer or they're just backdating stuff, but I thought this was very interesting because this talks about a uh, brewer increasing production with volumetric filling 
And on this system, they use micro-800s, they use compact logics, they use uh, actually compact guard logics, so there's some safety involved. Um, they have a Panoview 5000 terminal, and I always like reading these articles and learning about what the uh, user was trying to accomplish. And they don't usually get into a lot of technical details about, um, about what they're doing, but uh, they're still an enjoyable read, so I wanted to share it with you this morning. And with that, um, I did release, finally, my first look at Siemens Cymatic IPC tablet, the MD34A. I had a lot of fun playing with this unit. This was a sample Siemens sent in to us. This is commercial free, by the way, because they sponsored it. And uh, I had a lot of fun. It took me way longer than I thought it was going to take to do this. I mean, even letting the software install as I worked on other things, it still took more than a day to put this together. I mean, it's only 14 minutes too, but I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. This is a really cool device. And, um, you know, it's not going to replace your desktop. It's not an i7 or i9. It doesn't have 32 gigs of RAM. But typically, you're not going to take your desktop out or your inexpensive laptop out and walk around a site with it, right? So this is rugged. You can get it with LTE. You can get it with RFID. You can get it with barcode reading. And uh, I really had a, a fun time unboxing it and testing it out. <clears throat> I actually loaded uh, TI Portal in a Studio 5000 on it, and I connect the PLCs. I try a couple of uh, automation games. I try the barcode reader. You know, I look at all the ports that come with this thing. And uh, yeah, I, I had a fun time. Uh, and I think it came out pretty good. So if you get a chance, please check out my first look at Siemens MD34A Tablet IPC. And if you have any comments or questions about it, you can leave them right there at theautomationblog.com. I try to check that every single day, work day, anyways. From there, we go to literature, and I found this, uh, this uh, it's like a PowerPoint presentation at Rockwell's site, and I thought this was very interesting. It talks about the path to efficient energy use. And um, really, it goes through like the evolution of just like, you know, not doing anything to be energy efficient to really having closed loop system to monitor your energy usage and making sure you're not wasting energy. And I really enjoyed this article. So um, it's really like a, it's a PDF that's like a PowerPoint slide deck. But in any case, I uh, highly recommend it for anybody who's uh, tracking energy usage and trying to build a case to become more energy efficient at work. Excellent, uh, I guess, presentation. From there, we also had a new 1719EXIO user's manual over at Rockwell Automation. We had a couple of data sheets on support services over at Emerson. We had one on the Delta V DCS support, and we had one on their PK controller support. Um, and then, of course, I do want to thank our sponsor, Siemens. They're uh, sponsoring the show so we can promote their Integrated Control Panel Symposium on November 7th. That is Tuesday, right? So I have a session at 9 and 1, I think 9.15 and 1.15. So if you um, want to learn about control panels, they're going to cover all kinds of different control panel products. Please sign up using our link at uh, automate.news. You'll see it in the ads or at uh, theautomationblog.com. Also, if you think I missed some news, right? I'm already always wondering, like I know there's some vendors I'm not covering, but who are they? I can't think of them. So I could use your help. So if you think there's a vendor I should be watching, please send in the submit news link form. And uh, I also want to thank everybody who's following us over at automation.locals.com. This is our community. We recently had some back and forth on migrating um, from PLC5s to uh, Control Logics. Of course, I also post, post everything I do up there as well. So you can follow me there as well as become a member and we can do Q&A over there. 
From there, I do want to thank everybody who picked up a copy of my ebook, a copy of my video collections, or a, one of our coffee cups or t-shirts. I appreciate it, guys. really do. And uh, with that, just a reminder that every single link for all 100, I think today might be episode 140 for the year, you'll find at automate.news. No www, no .com. It's automate.news. And you'll see I did get all the links up from yesterday and the day before last night, or actually yesterday afternoon. And you'll see a link to the control panel training. You'll also see their ads. We want to thank them again for sponsoring the show. They make it ad-free. And uh, so everything I talk about today, I will get up there before the weekend. And speaking of the weekend, I'm really looking forward to it. I still got a lot of stuff to do in the garage to, to uh, get it ready for winter. And, um, you know, I just want to wish you guys a great weekend too. And there will be an automation uh, this week, tomorrow. That's a video I produce where I combine all five episodes from the week into one really long episode. So those of you who are maybe you're working in your garage yourself and you just want to listen to the show again, or if you're walking the dog or doing something else, uh, you can just uh, re-listen to all of the shows. Um, and uh, with that, I just want to wish you an awesome Friday, an awesome weekend. It's 7.56, so we beat the 8 o'clock buzzer. And uh, just want to encourage you to stay courageous and stay fearless. And until next time, my friends, peace.